Well, I'm Pastor Stan, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at AIC. And it's good to be here for, this is now our fourth Christmas in Hong Kong. And one of the things that's good about that is I get to see some of you who come to Hong Kong for the holidays to visit family, and I get to see you again. And I I even actually recognize a few of you. And uh, it's just a delight to have everyone here, especially those that can join us here at this holiday season. So we want to uh, be looking at at God's Word. Thank you, Sherry, for, for reading that passage to us. It's kind of an interesting passage. I included the last verse of the previous chapter, chapter 8. We usually just focus on a couple verses in chapter 9, and we're going to look at those in more depth. But uh, you notice the gloom and doom that there is at the beginning. It's actually the end of uh, chapter 8. Things aren't going too good. And um, as we look at this passage of Scripture... Uh, we see what God's doing there uh, with, uh, with, with what He's going to be doing at what we now know of as Christmas time. First of all, I'd like to encourage you to uh, pull out the paper. There's a side that has some blanks that you can fill in for the outline, but I'd like to start at the end. And so if you'll turn the paper over, there's some discussion questions. And uh, I need to do this because there's enough people here now that have been to my uh, training classes for children's workers, and they know that what we do when we're teaching a lesson or preaching a sermon is we're to be teaching God's Word so that there's a response in people's hearts. And uh, what I try to do with the discussion questions is to focus in on the response that I see from the passage of Scripture that we're doing. So why should I be the only one that knows where we're going today? I want you to know along, along with me. And if you take some of these questions, you can see hopefully where we're going. Now the reason I'm pointing this out is because questions 1 and 2 ask you to have some Bible verses from today's scripture to answer the question. And so there's going to be a lot of scripture up on the, up on the screen. And most of the references are on the page here, but I simply could not put all print out all the scriptures because uh, it, it would just take, it would be too small. You wouldn't be able to see it to fit them all on the page. And so what I want you to do is as you're listening to the message and this, the verses are going through up on the screen, if there's some that particularly speak to you, underline them, circle them or something, because I want you to do something with this passage of scripture. Um, I want you to be able to answer the questions that are here at the end. And so that's kind of the way I work. I found it's the best way to, to prepare a lesson, and I think it's a good way to work with a sermon here, is to figure out where we're going, and then we'll work our way back uh, from the beginning to get there. So uh, I just wanted to give you that heads up. Now, the passage of Scripture that we read was from Isaiah. And um, Sometimes it's hard for us to understand the sequence and the timing of all these things. For instance, we, most of us know that Christmas, chronologically, happened about 2,000 years ago. But where do other things fit in the Bible? Because the, the Bible was actually written over a 14 or 1,500 year period. And so, uh, you know, where does this fit in to all that? And by the way, I just want to say that uh, Brother Chanty is doing a great job with the Old Testament survey class that will be starting again at 9.30 next Sunday. And if you have any trouble fitting together the pieces of the Old Testament, 
you should be at that class. If it wasn't here in church in what we call our discipleship classes, you'd need to pay to get this kind of class if you went someplace else. We have it here for you. We want you to understand God's Word and uh, put these pieces together. And uh, he's, he's going to be hitting about this time, I think, uh, of about 700 years before Jesus. And that's when Isaiah was writing. 700 years before Jesus. And that in and of itself is a miracle because you look at this passage of, of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, these verses, they come so clear to us as Christmas, we might think it happened just before Christmas. But no, it's 700 years before Jesus is born. And God works the whole miracle of giving us His prophecy and His teaching of what's going to happen years in advance. And if you look at this time period of what's going on, and you look at the history uh, that's happening in the Bible, is God placed Israel in this strategic location in the Middle East. They were um, uh, sort of in the middle and what's going on now, 700 years before Jesus, is Assyria is up to the, to the northeast, and the, uh, another large power is, is Egypt, which is down to the southwest. And God didn't put Israel in some corner of the world where they couldn't influence the world. He put them right at the intersection of the major highways that went between Egypt and Assyria. And so when the people wanted to travel, the, the, the traders wanted to go through there, it was one of the two routes that they took. And most of that went through the northern kingdom, which we call Israel. The southern kingdom is Judah. The northern kingdom has ten tribes. The, the southern kingdom has two tribes. Isaiah is speaking mostly to the southern kingdom. But what's happening at that time is Assyria is wanting to advance and take control of what is now uh, northern, uh, northern Israel, the, the, the country of Israel, not, not the Judah part. They're not down there yet. Um, but uh, they're trying to make some alliances between, uh, between the different powers of the world. And Isaiah is saying, no, you're not to partner with these nations. There's a child that's going to come. And he's prophesied here 700 years in advance. And it's just amazing to me to see how a baby becomes the answer to what seems like a worldwide geopolitical military conflict. They're wanting some way to, to get the answers to the political problems that are going on. Now, Israel's kings had their own internal problems, and many of them were very evil. Some were good, and, and, and God punishes Israel for that. But Isaiah is saying, it's going to be a child. A child is to come. And the answer to this problem was this child. Now, now think about that, because we live in a world that's not... Uh, that that we, we have conflicts. We live in a city that has conflicts. And as we seek God for answers to this, we may want the, the political solution, the military solution, this solution, that solution. But I would dare say that it's the same answer. The answer is in this baby that changes hearts. And so let's, let's take a look at that. 
Why did Jesus need to come? Why was the answer a baby? This answer of a baby. Well, I want to suggest to you that there's, there's, there's two major issues that go on, and we're going to see why it needed to be Jesus. There's two issues that needed to be solved. One is, there's a legal problem. There's a, there's a legal problem between us as humanity and God as the holy God who cannot look at sin. You see, we're familiar with this situation because God is holy, man is sinful because of what Adam and Eve did at the very beginning. But we can't blame them only because our own hearts are sinful. God is a holy, just God who cannot be with sin. Sin separates us from God. And God needed to have uh, to remedy this situation, to solve this problem. And by the way, sin is not just the big acts. Because, I mean, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments tell us not to steal. That's an action, something that we do. But it also tells us not to covet. That's an attitude within the heart. Anytime that we miss the mark of God, we sin. And it's that sin that separates us from God. And so there's this legal problem that we have, and there's also a relationship problem that we have. Legally, we need to be considered as righteous, and then we need to restore the relationship that we have with God. I thank God for the, for the many years of marriage that I've had to my wife over here, and uh, we have a piece of paper from America that says that we are married. That's a legal document. We had to go to the courthouse and uh, complete the paperwork. I'm not exactly sure how you do it, but there's, I've seen marriage registries here in Hong Kong. And uh, you take care of the legal situation, and that changes our standing with the law. Occasionally, we have problems. Just Occasionally. And that causes problems in our relationship. Do you see the two problems? We have a legal situation. We're married. We have a relationship problem if there's a conflict within that. And that's the same thing that we're looking at. And so what we find is, sorry, going back there, there's this legal problem and there's a relational problem. Um. I'm getting mixed up. I think the slide changed, and I'm at the wrong spot. But anyway, um, so we want to look at each one of these, and we want to look at this unusual answer of a baby. Why was a baby brought into the world? Why was a baby the solution to this problem? Throughout history, we, have, we can find many instances where babies have grown up to be kings. In the UK, we know who the next monarch will be. They're born as a child, they grow, and, and they become the monarch, the king. But I would dare say that there's only one king who became a baby. Think about that. There's only, Jesus was already the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords. He became the baby. Why did He do that? Well, 
First of all, we have uh, this redemption issue. We need to be bought back. We need to have the, re- the, the legal situation restored with, with, our, with our God. We were separated. We are separated because sin separates us from God. And Jesus redeems us. He pays the price for us. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Timothy tells us, there, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus pays the price. Jesus is the one who restores us, who redeems us. But I think sometimes because we look at how simple this is, it's a simple baby. The baby at Christmas becomes the, the Savior, the Redeemer of the world. And we say, is that all there is? And when the trials and the, 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 the problems come in life, we start questioning, do I really have this legal situation solved? This is a bigger problem than facing the high court. We're going before the eternal God of this world. And we're saying, my debt has been paid. And so many times our own mind or Satan tempts us with things and we say, how do I know How can I be sure that this is taken care of? Well, God includes that in His Word. God wants us to know for sure that we can be sure that Jesus Christ came into our life. We find it over and over again in Scripture. I give you just a few examples here. In uh, in 1 John, John clearly says, as he sums up his book, he says, I write you these things who believe in the name of of the Son of God, so that you may wonder about, question, guess, hope, so that you may know that you have eternal life. The belief in Jesus and what He has done, that He is Lord and Savior, that He has come in and taken control of your life, that belief gives us the assurance, the surety that Jesus is in our life. John 1.12, Yet to all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You see what it's saying? We can have assurance. We don't need to wonder. We don't need to say, well, I think I am. Today I feel like I am. Today, yesterday I didn't feel like I am. We can be sure. It's based on the fact it's the same thing as a legal document like a wedding, like a marriage certificate. It's a legal document that has been transacted that Jesus paid the price. And we can be sure that Jesus came into our life. The unusual answer of a baby causes questions. But one thing that we can be sure of, we can be sure that we are reborn as a new creation. Do you remember what Jesus was talking to to Nicodemus about in John chapter 3? It's a time when the born again phrase is in there. It's the idea that we are fresh, we are new. We've come out and we are new. We are born again. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. We can be sure of that in our walk with God, that we are reborn. Romans chapter 12, the first few verses there tell us that we are transformed 
by the renewing of our mind. This is a surety, a certainty that we can have. That the legal situation, the legal problem that we had in our, in our relationship with God has been solved. Something else that you can be sure of is that your sins are forgiven. Sometimes we wonder, oh, that was such a big sin. It was something that I did. God can certainly never forgive me of that. He has. He did. And we wonder, does that include all my sins? How does He forgive my future sins? Well, I want you to know that every sin that I committed ever in my life was a future sin when Jesus died on the cross. Every sin. And we can have that assurance. Isaiah tells us in in chapter 59, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. It's our sin that separates Him. But remember 1 John 1.9, We've read it already. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can have this certainty, we can have this surety that the legal problem between our relationship with God has been solved. And we can know that. It has been paid through Jesus. We know the story. Jesus is born Christmas time. That's what we celebrate. It seems like it's only a few months until Easter, and it is, but it was actually 33 years from the time Jesus was born until He was crucified, died on the cross, and rose again. That act paid for our sin. He, he accomplished the things that God required for our, for our legal standing to be cleared. Um, two places that I would refer you to, and, and we're going to look at just a little bit of that, is the first six chapters of Romans walk through this. I hate just p- pulling out a verse here and there. I'd encourage you to read those six chapters and see what God is, is saying in there about the, the legal standing. Also, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is a little more condensed, um, and I'd encourage you to look at that. But let's look at these few verses from Romans chapter 5. What we've been talking about. Look at how Paul shares it here. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, who's that one man? Adam. And death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace And the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the one trespassed, the one committed the legal act, they trespassed, and that resulted in condemnation, both for Adam and for all people. So also one righteous act resulted in justification, a restoration of the legal standing that we have for God. For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners because of the act of the one man and our own hearts. So also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. 
This is a summary of the legal standing. We have been restored if we know Jesus as our Savior. But let's look at the other part of this. The unusual answer of the baby, how do we address the relationship problem? Because the relationship is broken. It's been hurt. It's been destroyed. How can that be renewed? Are you figuring out some of the answers to the, uh, to the blanks? You'll write that word five times here. What do you think I want to have you know? You can be sure that the relationship is solved. The legal problem is solved. Repetition. God does, when God does it three times in the Bible, we know it's important. I did it five. Okay? Um, so, what I want you to know is that you can be sure that the new relationship has been established between you and God. Think about it. Read the newspaper. When someone is going to court, how are they referred to in the newspaper? The defendant. The, 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 the convicted felon. The one who is guilty. That's how we refer to someone who's had the relationship broken. They have destroyed the legal standing. And there's a problem. But how does God refer to us as believers in the Bible? Look at the contrast between the negative and what God does. If you look at, at uh, John fifteen five, Jesus calls us a friend. He says, I no longer call you servants or employees or convicted felon. Because those people don't know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. The relationship has been restored. Or Romans. We're called sons. We're called children. We're called heirs. What is an heir? An heir is someone who receives the inheritance. They're brought into the family. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Look at this relationship that's being, that's being restored here. How's it restored? It's restored through Jesus. And then again in Ephesians, we are called fellow citizens. The legal standing has been restored. We, our citizenship is there. We are members of God's household. That should be such an encouragement to us. Such that we can be sure that we will never be separated from God. You see, sometimes we feel saved. Sometimes we feel close to God. And sometimes we feel very far from God. That probably means there's something we need to do because I can guarantee you it's not God who moved. It's me. But it doesn't matter our feelings, we can be sure that we will not be separated from God. For I am convinced, let's look at the list here, look at the list, I am convinced that neither death nor life, okay, that includes about everything, I think, um, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
neither the height nor depths or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's wrapped His great big arms of love around us and restored the legal situation, the legal problem, and He's restored the relationship problem. What an exciting, what an exciting time. The relationship has been restored through the baby Jesus who's the centerpiece of Jesus Christ. You see, Christmas, God demonstrated His own love for us in, that, in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us so much. He doesn't call us servants, He calls us friends. Look at the relationship. And I want you to be sure of these things. Now, I know that many of you have heard this before. And if I look hard enough, I can probably find some of you that I know have taught this material. Because I've given it to you. (laughs) And you're teaching it. So why do we do it here for the whole service? Because one, I want to be sure that everybody is on equal footing and has the surety that God provides salvation and changes your life. Because as you look at someone's spiritual development, we can see times when people grow very quickly and we can find times when people grow very slowly or stumble along. And we're used to this, we're used to seeing this when we think of childhood development. It's kind of cute to see uh, see our grandchildren on Messenger. Uh, We've had a number of phone calls with them, got to see... uh, uh, a, a three-year-old and a two-year-old and a five-year-old rip open Christmas gifts. But we're used to some of the things. There's certain things that children need to do. Some of it's physical, developmental things that they need to do, they need to accomplish so that they can move on to the next stage, move on to the next step. And other times we find that children or teenagers who have especially traumatic events or, or certain things that they do or don't do during their growing up time can have a powerful impact on what happens as they mature and grow up. We're used to that. We understand that. We want to make sure that, that our children go through some of these experiences and have some of the growth stages that they need to have. If they don't, what do we do? We start calling the doctor. There's something wrong. There's a problem here. And as believers, we want to have this assurance that God has indeed changed our life, restored the legal situation, restored the relationship. Because what happens as we go through life? We have a hard time. And we start saying, God, did you abandon me? Are you no longer there? Are you gone? I don't feel the same way I did. But our relationship with God is not dependent upon our feelings. You see, what Satan can do is he's lost you to his kingdom because you're now in God's kingdom. But he can make you ineffective. And one of the ways that we find happening so many times is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, are you sure that you're a Christian? 
Are you sure that your life has changed? I mean, just look at you, what you did. And I want to give you some, uh, some advice here. Don't bother arguing with Satan. You'll lose. What did Jesus do when Satan argued with him? He quoted Scripture. And that's why I want you to have Bible verses. Because when Satan taps you on the shoulder and says one of those things to him, don't argue. God's Word says. And that's how you know that you're, that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Because of what God's Word says. I hope my desire, my passion... As, as one of your pastors, is that everyone here can have this assurance and that everyone here can share it with someone else. I hope that you have the opportunity, and I love when we're, when we're in, in some of the classes that we hold or different times, somebody will say, can I have an extra copy of those notes? I'm going to be seeing my family this holiday. I want to talk to them about some of these things. My desire is that you can do that, and that you will do that. That you'll take the passion that you have and the knowledge you have of God's Word and share it with other people. If you have questions, and at the bottom of your, of your uh, question page there, I have my, uh, my email address. If you have questions about yourself and where you are, and you want to talk with somebody, send me a message. I may be able to respond. There may be someone that we can, we can have you respond to. Another thing that I hope and the desire that I have is I love to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior. And it's my desire that within one week of them coming to know Jesus as Savior, we could match them up with one of you who can walk them through these steps and give someone the assurance of their relationship with God. So I'm recruiting. I think we might have 150 candidates here who could possibly be teachers next time. And that as people come to Christ, we can match them up with one of you. Sometimes it's better if you do it. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to do these kinds of things, and I can do this kind of thing. But I have certain limitations, too. One, I don't have a relationship that you may have with that person. And oftentimes, I don't have language. And to see... The joy that comes in your heart as you get to share with God is just just something phenomenal. So this year I hope we have a, a, a blossoming number of people who will have the confidence to be able to, to share this with a new believer. And this is the verse that, that drew me to this passage all along. This is kind of where I started. This is God's Word. And as I started digging into this, I saw that in this one verse, written 700 years before Jesus came, we have the whole package of God redeeming us and restoring our legal and our relational problem. Do you see it here? Look at this. For unto us a child is born. A child is born. That's a human child. Why did this special child need to be born? Because our legal standing and our relationship with God was was blown apart. And there is no one else who could pay the price 
other than Jesus because He was fully human. He was fully a man during the time that He came here on the earth. He felt the emotions that we have. He felt pain. He understood who we are. But at the same time, He was also fully God. He's the Son. He's the Son of God. He's man. He's God. He's fully God. Whose son is He? Is He Joseph's son? The Bible tells us no. He was born of a virgin. His father is God the Father. So while He's fully human, He's also fully God. He's the one that could pay the price. He's the one that could make it possible to restore that relationship. And look at this. As you read down through the verses, the government will be on His shoulders. What's the government? The government deals with legal stuff. The government will be upon His shoulders. He addresses the legal problem. The standing that separates us from God, He restores it. In Romans, it talks about us being adopted children of Abba, Father. Jesus does that for us. The legal problem has been solved. And as you look down to the rest of the verse, look at how many relationship words there are. A counselor is someone that you have a relationship with. God, we can have a relation. He's a person. We can have a relationship with God. What's a father? That defines a relationship between a father and a son, a father and a child, father and a daughter. That's a relationship. And then prince. Prince is a, is, is a, is, it could be the legal, but it could also be the relationship that we have. Jesus was fully human, fully God, addressed our legal problem, and He took care of the relationship problem that we have with God the Father. That's exciting. That's exciting. And I want people to know that message. I want you to have the assurance of where you stand with God. Love to talk with you more. Uh, I, I hope that you get an opportunity to share the questions that are on your paper, and uh, just you know, you can you can you can look at them. They're they're awfully small up there, but they're on your paper. Do you know how your legal problem has been solved? Do you have Bible verses, Scripture verses, to? Um, to answer that. The third question, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that your legal and relational standing with God is completely restored? Can you say, yes, I know, I'm sure because of what God says, or I'm about a 7 or 8, I'm not quite sure, maybe a 5, maybe a 4. I ask you to study God's Word, talk with somebody, and work on these things. And so, I share this with you. I'm glad that we're on this journey together of knowing God and having the relationship with Him. Let's pray. Dear God, we've been through Christmas. We're still celebrating, some of us. We're enjoying this time because it reminds us of You and what you've done for us. Lord, who would have thought that a baby could make this kind of difference? 
He came intentionally. He came because it was in your plan, Father God. It's what you wanted to do to restore the relationship so that we can know you. You want this to be the solution. And Jesus is the solution to so many of the issues that we're facing in this day. Help us to know you. Help us to love you. Help us to adore you. Lord, I pray for your peace and your blessings on this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a song that will be uh, playing in response, uh, but uh, I want to give you God's blessings at this time as we close the service, and uh, you're welcome to continue to greet people. Um, uh, just spend time with each other. You don't need to. You don't need to speed out of here too quickly. Uh, but enjoy your week. And may I be the first one to say, Happy New Year.